to the Brothers Grimm Edition episode for Studio 666 Reaction Review. Uh, in the studio tonight, we have Gabriel Sosa. Welcome to the show, Gabriel. Thank you, Brothers Grimm. It's a pleasure to be here. And we also have the other half of Brothers Grimm, Captain Creature, a.k.a. Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello. And we are all fresh out of watching Studio 666 in different cities, but experiencing the horror together. Now, Satan travels a long way. <laughs> it does. And let's go ahead and get our uh, initial reactions first. I always like to do yay, nay, or meh, but we can do whatever. And then we can go into the factoids about the Foo Fighters and about the movie, if that sounds good. Um, I'll start. And I will say this movie for me was kind of a low yay, high meh. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. But um, there were some things about it that we can talk about that I, I was like in the middle of the road about. But that was just my general reaction. Uh, so we'll go to Trav. What about you? Well, first, I want to say it feel, it's an honor to share the microphone with Mr. Gabriel Sosa. I've been ping-ponging around ideas for a movie to have Mr. Gabriel Sosa on, Horrifying My Friends, forever, because he was instrumental in introducing me to lots of things that I love, lots of things that I'm obsessed with, Depeche Mode, Twin Peaks, you name it. Gabriel Sosa has influenced the creature more than probably anyone in my inner circle. Um, as far as Studio 666, I would say um, I, I actually really dug it. Um, there were some things that kind of threw me off guard a little bit, um, that which we can talk about when we get into spoilers and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm going to, I actually uh, pretty, really dug this movie. Nice. What about you, Gabe? Um, it was a high meh, <laughs> low J. Okay. hundred percent. We're kind of on the same page, even though I think we reacted differently. To it. Well, I'm more on the high meh side rather than the low J. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I'm trying to be fair with different aspects of the movie. Yeah. Um, so for any listeners uh, out there that aren't familiar with the Foo Fighters, I just pulled up some general information that I thought was fun. So the band was founded by former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl as a one-man project following the dissolution of Nirvana after the suicide of Kurt Cobain. The group took its name from Foo Fighter, a nickname coined by Allied Aircraft Pilots for UFOs and other 
aerial phenomena. Over the course of their career, Foo Fighters have won 12 Grammy Awards, including Best Rock Album four times. They were inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2021, their first year of eligibility. For this, Studio 666 filming took place in the same house that the band recorded their 10th album, Medicine at Midnight. According to Grohl, the band recorded a whole album for the in-movie fictional band, Dream Widow. Uh, like I said, 10 albums uh, in, and now we're getting a horror movie. Uh, this movie was directed by B.J. McDonald with a play by Jeff Bueller and Rebecca Hughes. Uh, based on the story from Grohl, stars Foo Fighters and their bandmates, Taylor Hawkins, Nate Mendel, Pat Meir, Chris Shiflett, a.k.a. Shifty, and Rami Jaffe. While Whitney Cummins, Leslie Grossman, Will Forte, Jenna Ortega, Carrie King, and Jeff Garland co-star. And the general synopsis is they move into the mansion to record their album. Once in the house, singer Dave Grohl finds himself grappling with supernatural forces that threaten both the completion of the album and the band members' lives. Well, first of all, I guess, are you a Foo Fighters fan, Trav? I am not. Um, not so much, no. I actually think the, uh, <laughs> I actually think the song uh, March of the Insane by Dream Widow is probably the best song they ever put out. But uh, Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like some of the earlier stuff, like Everlong and stuff like that, but uh, they kind of lost me, um, you know, when they were, like, on top of the world kind of shit. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. And Gabe? What about you? I yeah, I like them. I would say that the the first album, I wasn't as much a fan of them because I felt that it was like a bad attempt at distancing themselves from Nirvana while still having some of that sound. Um, but then after the second album, they kind of like got on the really true sound and I some of my favorite songs are by them for sure like yeah I agree the Foo Fighters uh, self-titled debut from 95 was not an album that I go back to at all I don't really care to listen to it at all actually um, so just to give you a really quick uh, discography Foo Fighters self-titled 95 uh, the Color and the Shape from 97 is where uh, I think it took off for me and my obsession with the, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, uh, it's a great album, man. It's a really good album. Uh, some of my favorite songs are on that. Uh, There's Nothing Left to Lose from 99, which is my second favorite album of theirs. Uh, one by One, 2002. In Your Honor, 2005. Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace from 07. Wasting Light from 2011, Sonic Highways 2014, Concrete and Gold from 2017, and the Studio 666, Medicine at Midnight 2021. And I put those two together because that's where they got their inspiration for this horror movie. Uh, for me, I, I do... Uh, I, for me, I think if I was going to sell this movie to a person that was not a Foo Fighters fan, I might be a little hesitant because 
I am such a biased person with them as being a fan of theirs. I would maybe want to try to sell the horror movie aspects of it more. And for me, I think that's where I had some issues with the movie because I really found them pretty charming and endearing. But there were some things that were a little iffy on the horror aspects, but I think it as a, as an overall band horror movie, I think it was pretty successful in my eyes. Yeah, it, I can go next. I thought I thought uh, it blended horror and comedy uh, pretty well. Like without any spoilers, I I felt like there was a lot more comedy than I thought there was going to be because I didn't really watch like many of the trailers. I think I might might have seen like. Like I don't, I I've gotten to the point where uh, I know, Bub, you've mentioned this in the past shows where you try to stay away from as many trailers as possible, and I kind of like did that with this movie. So the the outright comedy in some of the scenes kind of threw me off guard a little bit, but we did it did deliver a lot of gore. Uh, real quick, it also features Carrie King from The Great Slayer and uh, a cameo from John Carpenter and Lionel Richie, which was pretty pretty hilarious. Yeah, and unfortunately, Gabe went to the restroom during the Lionel Richie cameo, and so I was kind of trying to explain it to him when he got back, and I think he heard some of the song he was singing. <laughs> yeah. That part- yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get out in bus when he sat on the piano to sing hello, and I was like, oh, I know this song when I was <laughs> in our English class. Like, when I'm saying English, it was English as a foreign language. We spent like a whole week listening to that song. We had to write down. So you really knew the, the song. lyrics. Oh yes, we heard this like twenty. <laughs> but, but you've never had Lionel Richie come up to you and say, "Don't use that. That's my song." Right? No, I, I had. <laughs> oh, I, yes, right. So I'm kind of a, I guess I'm a bad news person first. So would we like to give maybe some negatives about it without spoiling it before we get to positives? I'm down with that for sure. Okay, so um, I'll let Gabe start if you want. Oh, me. Okay. Um, so I felt that, to me, one of the main negatives of the movie is the acting of some of the Foo Fighters was not that good. Um, which is funny because you would think that they're just acting as themselves in a sense, but you could tell that there were some of them who were truly just being themselves while others were maybe camera shy, maybe camera shy, or I wouldn't say camera shy. They were trying to be themselves by giving lines that they wouldn't have naturally given. Okay. So that's, that's, that's more of the issue. Like if you're going to play yourself, you play yourself. Yeah, in a sense, but I mean, then again, musicians—they're not actors, so you can't really fault them for that. You can really fault them for that, right? I, I think the only thing that I read that was funny was Taylor Hawkins, the drummer. He said he would not learn lines for the movie, so <laughs> you can definitely tell that his were a little improvisational. That, that worked. That worked on his favor because he's one of the people who seems natural. He did, actually. I think the only one that was a little awkward for me was probably Pat Smear. (laughs) Dude, I thought he was hilarious. (laughs) Funny, too. I mean, and that's my point. So Pat Smear was someone who was kind of playing himself, but at the same time, (laughs) wasn't. Yeah. 
what I'm saying is it feels distorted when some of them are acting like themselves. Yeah. While mm-hmm. others are playing themselves as a caricature. Yeah. And there are people who are somewhere in between. Like uh Ren Jaff was funny. Like yeah. he was my favorite. He had like a lot of funny lines and everything, but you can tell that he was playing a part in the same way that you could tell that Pat Smear was playing a part. Yeah. But then you have Taylor Hawkins, who was clearly just, ah, this is me and I'm just doing whatever. And clearly this is it. But when you look at Chris Chifo, right? Shifty. Shifty. He mm-hmm. was, out of all of them, I think, the best actor. Yeah, because he was clearly acting in a way that I could see him acting while not being purposefully comical. Yeah, yeah, he was he was taking the serious part serious, right? Yeah, felt like the campy moments he was taking. Um, for me, I mean, Dave Grohl was the standout because I always loved Dave Grohl in the videos because I think he's hilarious. But I think uh, Remy Jaffe, the the keyboardist, I think he was just like. And piano. He was like, complete, he's completely like a caricature of himself, which right, I think is mm-hmm. But I think that's the thing, too, is like trying to explain to somebody that doesn't know who Foo Fighters is and then having them watch this, they may not get some of those quirks. Yeah. Where I'm being biased on my review, like, yes, I, I really did like it. But to, to recommend it to maybe horror fans, I would be a little hesitant because I'm not sure. But I'm kind of glad to hear your your take on it, Travis, because I didn't actually know that you weren't really a Foo Fighters fan. So after watching this, are you a Foo Fighters fan? No, no, they're just not. <laughs> they're just not really my bag. Like I do like Dave Grohl though, because uh, like I'm big into rock music and stuff, and Dave Grohl's kind of like an ambassador to rock. He's like he's one of the spokesmen. Like he he delves into he's been involved in like tenacious d and ghost he was actually the drummer for ghost for a while wow um he played for a while with um uh whatchamacallit um no one knows uh queens of the stone age didn't he or is am i um maybe uh, not queens of the stone age i don't think so but uh yeah i um i'm trying to think but yes he has had his he's had his his pause in a lot of the music industry yeah, and different types of subgenres of metal too. Like I know for a fact he was he actually toured with Ghost for a little bit, like under a mask and stuff. But yeah, like I, I really liked uh like all the guys in this. Like I thought that they had a, a good camaraderie, like actually, you know, it makes sense because they're a band. Uh my negative would be, and I and I've mentioned this like a couple times, would be just how much how comedic it was. And I think you were talking about um like uh kind of recommending this to horror fans and i i feel like we got like i don't know man like it's hard to balance you know like you see a lot of like horror comedies and stuff and it's hard to balance that like right like you come across like you know fright night or like you know just think of like some of these classic ones and it's really tough like evil dead 2 it's really tough to manage to balance that and I felt like that I got a little bit more like of a comedy than I thought going in, which I'm, you know, I, like I said, I just saw this tonight. I'm not sure if that's like my expectations kind of painting that or if like, you know, you could really 
you know, tell a horror fan to like check this out, and they would be like, "What the fuck? This was a comedy," you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, other than the, the negatives I had about it, I think uh, overall, I walked away pretty entertained. Um, yeah, I think maybe that there's, and I won't, I won't, I'll save this for the spoiler section, but it's something in the end that I was just like ho hum about. But um, I, I think. If you want, we can start talking about spoilers. Absolutely. I can I can just add so that the people who don't want spoilers still know more or less what yeah. it is. Because I, I felt the same way as you, but maybe I the more so than you in this that the plot was coherent and it made sense up to maybe the last ten minutes and then it became mess. Yeah. In my opinion. And and I feel that that took the movie down a lot for me. Yeah. So, okay, now we can move on to the second. Spoilers! So, for me, I thought the gore was actually incredibly done yeah i agreed totally agreed and just like i texted you when we were talking about this i do think that that chainsaw kill in the movie is probably going to be one that if anybody remembers anything about this movie or is referenced to this movie that will be a way to show how practical effects work in a Mm -hmm. movie because it was so elaborate and so like crazy, gory and bloody, and uh, I don't know, and there were just a lot of really bloody, gory kills in this. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of references too to like classic horror films. Like one of the films that they referenced was The Exorcist, when the delivery guy is like standing on the steps, and the lights like hitting him. Uh, and Day of the Dead, like Dave Grohl's dream when they're pulling his guts out and stuff. The kill that I uh, thought that you were talking about, actually, before you said the chainsaw one, was the reference to the burning. Yes. And, uh, which was, like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that one was that one was good. And, uh, and, and even the one that's, like, the Friday the 13th reference, like, the yeah. lot, uh, that one was good. But the, for me, the chainsaw death was the standout scene in the movie. I was just like, oh, my goodness, like, this is going to happen. And then they show it all. And then it continues. And there's like things falling apart and everything. Yeah. I was just like cracking up laughing. Like, Oh my God. Like they went there with this whole big elaborate set piece. It seems like that would have been like all of the budget of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And Dave Grohl like plays that so masterfully too. How he's just like fucking laying under the bed, like, (laughs) like not blinking and shit. Yeah, so I mean, I guess to 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 get to the horror fans, uh, the recommendations. Like, I would recommend this to a horror fan because of the gore. I think, like, if anything, mm-hmm. just to see that type of uh, type of, I guess, artistry. And uh, I thought the makeup effects were pretty cool. I mean, the movie starts with a really cool kill, um, and then it just uh, it they just get you know a little bit more elaborate as it goes along. Um, what do you guys think of uh, of the kills for the movie? Go ahead, Gabe. I enjoyed the one 
with the chainsaw. That was extremely gory. It, the effect was amazing. It was disturbing, but it was a really, really good effect. So I was like, whoa, not the one there. <laughs> it was funny too. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, I think like, yeah, most of the kills were very, very disturbing. Even the opening scene with, um, it's Jen Ortega. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, I mean... That was pretty brutal. It was... made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the gore was there. All of the deaths were pretty gory. Um, so, in that sense, and they were kind of creative to a degree. Like, so, the chainsaw thing we have seen before, but it, it was put in an interesting, funny setup. Um, I think the towards the final act where the marvelous Leslie Gross <laughs> is headed towards uh, Nate and Pat. That was oh yeah. That was a crazy, <laughs> crazy, gory. That was like Final Destination. Was, yeah, dude. <laughs> was, and the only thing is that I knew that it was coming, and I knew exactly what was gonna happen with the three things that happened and I was like this is gonna be terrible and, and then it happened exactly like you know like the eye thing the wheel the stabbing everything I was like whoa but yeah it was very Final Destination with the difference that in Final Destination you see these things falling into place and you think they're gonna go in a certain way and then there's a twist here there was no twist it was essentially what you thought was gonna happen, it just happened, but still it yeah. was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is a so yeah. yeah. Gabe talked about like that inventiveness of the killings. Like when Carrie King of Slayer gets electrocuted, I actually dug the part where uh they make fun of uh, they crack a joke on Dave Grohl's grilling and they say that uh he uh, like fucking burns all of his hamburgers. Yeah. And then you see Carrie King's head like on the grill. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that part was that part was crazy. Um, I guess if you want, because I immediately went to gore. That was like my first thing I wanted to talk about. But you I, got to right. It's like that. That's the that's the whole thing, right? That's the thing. Um, but I can give like a like a summary or a brief thing of it essentially. But mm -hmm. we'll see if I can clumsily try to go through this. It's not that complicated. But essentially, uh, there's that opening set piece. You know, it's a flashback. And then you uh, are introduced to the Foo Fighters and to uh, Jeff Garland's character. I love Jeff Garland. I think he's an incredible actor. Very funny on the Goldbergs. Um, curb your enthusiasm. He's just a really funny, loud actor. And he's their manager. And basically, they want to record this album and get some inspiration. So they end up in Encino at this infamous house. And they move into it to record the album and crazy stuff happens and they are living temporarily next door to a very nosy neighbor played by Whitney Cummings. <laughs> and, um, and then that's pretty much it. Like Dave Grohl sort of happens upon what I am going to say is like the ne Necronomicon essentially and yeah. a version of it. And it's basically like he seals his fate with, um, you know, feeding the book, essentially, the book possesses him in a way. And, um, 
you know, he wants to finish this song and he wants it to be, from my understanding, like a never a song that never ends, which I think is kind of a funny joke on like progressive rock songs that yeah. seem to like one song is like, what is it, Gabe, that you said in the movie, like 41 minutes or 45 minute songs? 2112 by Rush. Yeah. Yeah. That was the joke. It was 2112 yeah. times. I was thinking of the Dream Theater album that was 30 minutes. That song. Well, the Dream Theater. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. That's a song that is 30 minutes in the Dream Theater album, for sure. But there's all. Mm-hmm. But do you, is, is Rush's song, is that the longest song, I wonder? No, no, no. There's no, longer there ones? Are, there are longer. Songs. Yeah, probably. Yes, for sure. I think that there's a version of Inagada Inagata that. that that is like 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. But even then, I mean, again, the 2112 is still broken into parts, despite the fact that it's a mm. song. Yes. But they break it into movements, I would guess. But really what Dave Grohl is trying to do is it's a whole one song, not broken up. This was my understanding of the movie, right? But, but I mean, again, that's, that's the thing. If you listen to 2112, it's just one song. Just one song. When, when they break it up, it's like saying, oh, well, you know, have you listened to the four seasons by Vivaldi? And so every season has three movements. Oh. So you're like, okay, so there are like three movements. So it's yeah. more or less like that. But if you listen to, for example, uh, A Change of Seasons by Dream Theater, which is broken into movements, but the song plays without the breaks. And I think that that was one of the few times that they did it. The song clocks at 25 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, that was a lot. Um, but then you listen to Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, yeah. which is the double album. And the sixth song of the album, which is the second album, is Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, which is around 40 minutes also. Yeah. But that one is broken down into the eight uh, movements. And that yeah. song is inspired by Arkham Asylum by Graham Morrison. Oh, nice. That's, that's literally what they thought of when they wrote the song. Well, what I like about this, this song in Studio 666 is this is playing on that like trope for mm-hmm. having that song like that, but it's using that supernatural angle. So it kind of made it kind of creepy in a way. It's like thinking of like popping in an album and like you're a metal fan or whatever, and you pop it in and you're listening to it. And then you suddenly become like possessed by something. I think that that's like a creepy idea to me. Yeah. And it, well, we had talked about it like uh, before this, but it's like, uh, you know, this, this kind of has a history like in the horror genre, like I know uh, with Trick or Treat from 86 and like Black Roses from 88, even Slumber Party Massacre uh, Part 2. But it's like uh, I, I always like am fascinated with the idea of like the blending of the metal and, and the horror because it's like they're both kind of related, right? It's like has to do with like the the dark forces and like all this shit and this one in particular like you said it's like the uh the devil like making him keep on playing and stuff like that i thought it was very cool yeah i thought the moments were really fun with him getting possessed first and i like that whole setup like in the basement when 
he, he comes across the caretakers, uh, his, his little area where he had the raccoon and was feeding the blood. And I thought that was pretty creepy. Um, I think if, uh, if I would walk into a room that had a raccoon disemboweled like that, I would definitely not keep looking around. But I think that was cool that he like played that song and that's when it started. I thought that was a really cool way to show that sort of possession. Um, I think he kind of killed it too with like the performance. Like he was pretty like kind of campy. He wasn't way over the top, but it was kind of funny and fit in with like a Dave Grohl mannerisms, at least to me. Yeah. But what did you guys think of the demons? Because they show like the demons in the background that, you know, they start haunting his dreams and then ultimately they start showing up around the property. Um, what did you think of those? Uh, Trav, we'll go with you. I actually thought those could have been done a little bit better, to be honest with you. Um, they were kind of like uh, like little fog kind of creature things. Um, I don't know. At least that's what they look like to me. Like, I don't know. I would have rather them like went straight up fucking like tenacious D devil, like, you know, uh, where Dave girls like the fucking devil in that movie, you know, um, I would have rather them like literally went like demons, like, in, you know, in the movie, like demons with horns and stuff. If you're going to go camp and stuff like that, then like, I, I thought that, I think that'd have been kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that these demons worked in certain scenes, uh, in the, in the periphery or in the background, but you can really see what they look like. I think they were kind of like those shadowy demons, but I kind of get what you're saying. Like if you're going to go all out with like practical stuff, then show practical like prosthetics and like all that kind of stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I could totally see that. what do you think of like the demons and the villain, the overall, uh, the baddies, <laughs> the baddies. <laughs> well, Dave Grohl was quite creepy. <laughs> yeah. When he had the teeth and he started morphing into I like the effects of of the demon shadows. I mm -hmm. think that that the well, he was became a cannibal. Yeah, but the mist that the that the demons were leaving behind, mm -hmm. or or when they appeared, I thought that that was a cool effect. Yeah, uh, it was a little bit campy. I think I agree there on that. Yeah, um, it was very much. Um, I think Travis mentioned this, like Evil Dead 2, kind of campy in that sense. Yeah. Um, not that the demons from Evil Dead 2 look like this, but it had that vibe, yeah. the feeling. But I like the... It was inky, so that's, yeah. that's, that's what I like. It was very foggy. Like, oh. Yeah, I think there was a couple of things happening there. So there's practical effects. So there's people actually in the demon, black demon get up but then there was that cgi mist mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of cool but i can kind of see where travis is with the aesthetic of wanting to see more of a demonic like demons like argento demons kind of thing um something like that uh i think i i think i i totally vibe with both of those things um i what did, so there are lots of fun moments aside from the horror i think that uh are really funny one of them is the amount of Doritos in the movie. And I had, I was talking to some other friends and they were like, oh, that awful product placement. And I was like, but these are Gen Xers and Doritos yeah. were everywhere in their, like that's, you know, that's the snack of the Gen Xers. Like then like, that's just something that they had around. So that's 
probably something that they wanted to put in it. So I think that's funny that they had the, the, the Doritos all over the place. Um, I also thought it was the moments that weren't really horror, but like when they would show Pat Smear kind of just like smiling at the camera and then he would be yeah. sleeping in the kitchen and like, I thought those moments were, were pretty funny. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I liked Whitney Cummings when they they arrive at the mansion and she's kind of just there like creeping behind the fence and <laughs> very mysterious. I thought those moments were fun. Were there like standout moments to you that were kind of not horror based? Uh, just some of the quotes, man, like some of the, and some of the delivery, like, especially by Dave Grohl, like that part when he's just like, did you just tell Dave Grohl? No, I'm a fucking rock star. I get what I want. <laughs> yeah. I love that part. <laughs> yeah. He kind of like, uh, Obviously, you know, he's he's speaking to the rock stars that say that probably every five minutes to whoever they meet. So that was yeah. a play on on that. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Gabe? I think I would agree with that. I mean, especially when Pasmir, like when they when they when they all wake up in the middle of the night. Well, when he wakes them up because he has his idea. So I, I think that was one of my favorite is when he goes into Rami's room and he's wearing this weird thong with his balls, <laughs> like just turning the bed and he's like, I just have an idea, you have to come down. And, and then he like gives him this look as like weirdo, why are you sleeping like that? And, and he's like, has anybody seen Pat? Has anybody seen Pat? And he's there on the kitchen. And he's like, oh, Pat, you're here. Why are you here? And he's like, because this is the most comfortable place in the house. The snacks are here, and I didn't get a bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, I didn't even get a bedroom. And uh, and so when he's like, we're gonna record this, and, and Pat says no, and uh, like no, I'm gonna I'm going back to bed or whatever. And then he says, "What's that thing that you said?" And he says, "I'm going back to bed." No, before that. Like, I don't have time for this. No, before that. <laughs> it's like when you said the N with the O and the nothing in between. What was it? <laughs> As I'm like, no. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So that was, I mean, the, some lines were pretty clever. So I would yeah. definitely that, say that. But I would say like they scenes with Rami and his thongs and his chest. Shape in the shape of a heart. Um, those things were just absurd and, and hilarious. But I think that with this whole, like, them playing themselves or whatever, I think truly, again, Chris Schiffel did the best thing. Yeah. When he was at the grill, grilling right before he dies, and he's like, who does he think he is? Oh, I'm Dave Grohl. Kind of imitation. <laughs> And and he's like he cannot even grill a burger right. So I'm like, okay, that was funny. Um, but you can tell that it's more of a fun kind of banter between friends yeah. in that sense. And so I thought that that was cute. Yeah, so. yeah. He he's like uh, he's like need a beer or anything. He's like yeah to shove up Dave's fucking ass, and then the <laughs> dude just gives him a thumbs up. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I really want to go back in and like rewatch it again and, and see like some of the bits I missed. But there were some really fun moments with like the supporting characters, of course. And, um, you know, I, I love the climax. I think the climax is funny because it's like a fake out and then it continues into another climax kind of thing. And then it's another kind of climax. So it just keeps going. Almost like the long song, like the, the song that won't quit. Right, exactly. Yeah, that kind of theme of just that never ending like horror and and the band members like having to face this that are that are left. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty clever in that way, too. Um, and I think the one thing I mentioned earlier that was a negative that I didn't want to kind of share until the end is there's there's I'm not going to spoil it specifically, but the very last moment I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know if I like that. But then I'm like, oh, it's kind of a play, I guess, on what happens to some of these bands who want to go solo or whatever. So I think that was kind of clever in that in that way. But um, I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you guys think of the overall ending and just overall? I feel like the ending, um, like when those two from the record company kind of showed up, I felt like that lost a little steam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the ending was okay though. Like it was pretty strong. Like, uh, I was on board for the majority of this movie actually. Uh, I, I, I wrote down, like, I thought that the, when the comedy like worked, I felt like that it was like kind of in line with like an Edgar Wright movie, like hot fuzz and stuff like that. Yeah. Like not t- the total package of a hot fuzz, but like, I felt like that that's what um, the director was kind of going for the BJ McConnell. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like the ending kind of whimpered out a little bit, but yeah, I, I dug the movie, man. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's definitely how I feel too. Gabe, what about you? Oh no, the ending was terrible. Um, <laughs> let's start with the whole, the amount of plot issues that the movie had. Like the neighbor kind of knows what's happening but she doesn't tell them anything until it's kind of like late to do. Well, they're supposed to find out because they're supposed to eat her lemon bars. Well, of course, but what I'm saying is like... (laughs) With cocaine on them. Right, right. But what I'm saying is like she had ample opportunities to, you know, do something earlier. Sure, okay. Um, So she doesn't, and then she kind of tells them what to do, but for some reason... They don't do it right away, and they, I mean, from the moment that they find the delivery guy killed until he actually uh, complete the drum section of the song, you can tell that, like, at least five hours have passed. So what were they all doing during those five hours? And it, (laughs) it couldn't have been, like, so he murders these two people who had sex before the drum section is completed. So what was the drummer doing? And why weren't Pat and Nate looking for the book back then, right? right? So it's like, okay, sure, whatever. Logic is not the strong suit of this. It's a horror movie. Let's see it as fun. But then they do an exorcism and then the demons become people who then drag the demon that he threw out away because he was exercised right. 
but I just remember like the moment where you're talking about and he's puking and right. that just like cracks me up. It's really funny. <laughs> but he's like, okay, so that was it. It it worked. But then I tried saying that the other two people show up who of course it was obvious that they were going to show up because mm-hmm. clearly they had a pact with the devil themselves. But then he's like, Oh wait, so the extra system didn't really work. But why wouldn't it? So why would they still be doing this if the exorcism did work? Yeah. But then it's like, oh, apparently it wasn't even about the exorcism. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, those were logical issues in the story. Yeah. Um, so you could tell that that was missing. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we find that in lots of horror movies that especially the ones me and Travis watch. And we, we watch them and we enjoy them, um, but I, I get what you're saying because I found those two. I was like, "Well, wait, why is this? Why are they not doing this?" Um, but when you look at it critically, I could see that too. I totally get that. Um, I mean, you don't even have to look at it critically. It's you don't, just well, there. No. right? It's just there. It's blaringly there. Um, so I wanted to ask a fun question while we're talking about this. So if you could have one band that you like have a band movie horror movie like studio 666 who would it be and why and i can give you guys time to think because i mine in my head who i would pick um i'm gonna go with smashing pumpkins so i hope that wasn't either of your picks and i want to see full-on billy corgan as a vampire nosferatu and i want it to be classic creature vampire horror band smashing pumpkins movie and i'm not sure what the story would be but i just think that that whole ava door vibe still needs to happen but in a movie <laughs> form so that's what i want to see i think that's i think that's where i'm at with that so what about what about you trav have you given enough time to think about it Ooh, um, just right off the top of my head, I would probably go uh, Limp Biscuit. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, I I would probably go, even though we got Pink Floyd's The Wall. I want I would take like a Pink Floyd like cosmic horror movie, like any day oh, of the week. That would be really cool. Yeah, like any day of the week, I would take that. Okay, I'm, I get you, Gabe. What about you? This is a good question. Um, let me, let me first elaborate for a second on your Smashing Pumpkins idea and and why I think it would work really well. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly because... Because Billy's a band. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's more because they... Wait, but it would have to be the full Smashing Pumpkins. The original Smashing Pumpkins. No, I mean that's that's what I was trying to say. Because I want to see Darcy there. You, no, Darcy would have to be there. But what I'm saying is, you can definitely have all of the people who have been members of the Smashing Pumpkins at some point. So yeah, I mean Melissa my, would be there, and it's my movie, so they and, don't have to and be so there. Other, <laughs> uh, the new guitarist, and so you're using the Smashing Pumpkins as your movie. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that I I believe that your idea for this okay. it's really good by virtue of the fact that you can have uh, this with 
what is it like seven seven or eight members of Machine Pumpkins all getting together and yeah you know so you would have victims and and you, and can, you can have Zwan as the victim you can have Zwan <laughs> too like uh, uh, making a cameo and then dying horribly yeah um, this- also uh, so another another idea that I know Bub is gonna oh, well probably even Gabe would be down with is have a Billy Idol set horror anthology, like set in 83, like right along like Rebel Yell and shit. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I would do that. Called Eyes Without a Face. <laughs> Directed by David Lynch. Flesher Fantasy. Um, so I, I would say that if I was going to do something like this... It's a good day for a blood wedding. Is a... <laughs> Another blood wedding, it would be one of two things. Um, so like idea number one is, and because you have been subjected to this horror of listening to James all the time, don't say James, (laughs) please don't say James. I probably would say James (laughs) just because, again, the fact that they just got back together. Uh, for this latest tour and they decided to have every single person who had been a member of James. There's a lot of them. Too. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like... So what would the subgenre be for that? They There are 10 people who are in this screen. And, you folklore? Know, in the... It, 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 <laughs> I folklore, you know, like I, I would see... Like a wicker man. I, I essentially could see like the people from it's James smart. dying in kind of movie like that with kind of folklore stuff and things like that. And, okay. Um, so who's your other pick? The, the other pick would be, and so check it out because okay. it is, it's, I think it's reasonable, is taking a perfect circle. Okay, well, I'm down already. And, uh, yeah, man. It would be something more like abstract horror. In a sense, like you know, Maynard James Keenan opens a portal to some kind. The it would be kind of like a like Event Horizon. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're like that's not. <laughs> I know, but I, I don't want to use tools. See, I want to use the perfect circle. I, I think that a perfect circle has better songs to a degree. Ooh. To, I know, I know. People are going to be like, "I hate this guy already." I, I feel that too. Sometimes is a little bit pretentious, and I, I could see that. Um. Okay. Well, that's an interesting answer. So, <laughs> Stone Temple not... Pilots sex type thing. The well, flasher. <laughs> okay. So those were really good. So I would be curious to see or to hear what listeners of this podcast, these podcasts, uh, would uh, give us in, in the comments section of our posting. Um, are you looking for the Katy Perry cult? Some of that new wave stuff would be pretty cool too, man. Like, like the Cure. Like, I was just about to say Robert Smith. <laughs> yeah, dude, that shit would be probably pretty spooky. Like Robert Smith as a demented camp counselor. <laughs> uh, churches as a kind of each project no, kind I, of thing. I can see that. I, I can see that too. I wouldn't watch it because I don't like Blair Witch, but I could see that. 
Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it's like Blair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just something. giving Travis a hard time. He loves Blair. <laughs> um, okay, so any final thoughts on Studio 666 or horror movies that feature rock stars or musicians in them? Trav, sound off. Uh, so my final thoughts on Studio 666, uh, I would give this, we always give it like a rating out of five. I'd probably give this like a three out of five. I actually had a really good time with this. Uh, it does have its weaknesses, but this is one of those uh, uh, subgenres that I really, really dig is the the blending of the metal and rock and with horror. Uh, that was actually like a really good question that you asked because the Foo Fighters is like one of those bands that you would not like pegged to be in one of these movies like at all like you would figure it'd be like ghost or something you know but yeah. uh yeah my favorite of all time is trick or treat like of this subgenre. nice um gabe your rating you doing it out of five out of ten i'm out of ten and i'm gonna be fair so i'm going to give you the 6.66 nice <laughs> okay well that's what i was gonna give it too 6.66 out of 10 out of 10 yeah um yeah i think so it's not quite there as a horror movie on the horror scale on the band movie scale it's pretty high because i love foo fighters if that makes sense i'm i'm going to i'm going to do the the diplomatic answer for that well the movie wasn't even about the foo fighters as a band it was it, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, for me, I like these kind of movies, like going off kind of what Travis said, uh, Rocktober Blood is a really, if there's any, uh, uh, fans of, of this subgenre and want to check out some, uh, other rock horror inspired, of course, Trick or Treat with Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare is a really good one. And, uh, that one's getting ready to come out actually on Blu-ray. So look out for that and, uh, we'll be sure to keep you updated on that. Um, so yeah, so, uh, listeners, if you have a favorite rock and roll horror inspired, um, movie, let us know in the comments. And I just thought of one that you all should definitely go watch after listening to this episode, Alice Cooper's Monster Dog. How can Ooh. I that one? Uh, it's so bad. It's good. It's bad. It's good. That's all I'll say. Uh, Trev, anything uh, you want to close the show or... Uh, you, you go ahead and close the show, man. You can hit the fatal follower socials and stuff. All right. So this is Brothers Grim Edition, but Horrifying My Friends and Fatal Follower Presents, as always. So you can catch Fatal Follower Presents, a podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Horror Amino, and Fatal Follower Presents at Gmail. Uh, reach out to me with any uh, show ideas or send me your double horns, and uh, I'll be sure to post them for this episode's posting. Trap. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me be a part of this. Uh, this was actually really fun and, uh, this was a, a cool movie to review with you guys. Yeah, we had a good time and, uh, we can't wait to watch again. And, uh, Gabe, thank you for joining for the Brothers Grimm edition episode. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
Not to say when I say when.